I'm Steph. And I'm Jeff. Each episode, we review a film that needs screenwriting support. As writers, we'll deep dive into the characters and plot to tell you how to fix this film. Listen at your own risk. This podcast contains spoilers. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Script Slayers. Today we'll be discussing the film Army of the Dead. This was written by Zack Snyder, Shay Hatton, and Joby Harold, and directed by Zack Snyder. It was conceived by Zack to be a spiritual sequel of Dawn of the Dead. And spiritual sequels are a little different than actual sequels. It, the difference is that it's kind of inspired by the same like genre in the pre in a previous film, but it's not a direct continuation of a film franchise. The film stars Dave Bautista as Scott Ward, a burger flipping, washed up Medal of Honor winner uh, that's leading a team to retrieve $200 million in Vegas where there's a bunch of zombies. He is our primary protagonist. Ella Purnell as Kate Ward, Scott's estranged daughter that works at a quarantine camp. Amari Hardwick as Vanderhoe, uh, a former teammate of Scott's and also part of our um, heist crew going into Vegas. Huma Koreshi as Gita, a single mom in the quarantine camp. Anna Della Regera as Maria Cruz. Uh, on Scott's team uh, and sort of his right-hand woman as well as she's in love with Scott. Theo Rossi as Burt Cummings, an abusive camp security guard. Matthias Schweighofer as Dieter, a safe cracker on the newbie on this team that's going in to retrieve the money and fight zombies. Raul Castillo as Guzman, the sharpshooter. Tig Nataro as uh, Marianne Peters, the helicopter pilot on the team. Nor Arznesder as Lily the Coyote. Um, and Garrett Dillahunt as Martin, who is um, a man on the team with some ulterior motives. The antagonist in the story is mainly the zombies. Well, thanks for those facts, Steph. Now let's get into the synopsis. A military convoy traveling from Area 51 collides with the car on the highway outside Las Vegas. The convoy's cargo, a zombie, escapes, killing and infecting several soldiers before heading into the city. Most of the city's population is zombified under the opening credits. The government loses control of Vegas and builds a wall of shipping containers to contain the undead gamblers and showgirls. Six years later, casino owner Tanaka and his associate Martin approach former Las Vegas resident Scott Ward about a job to recover $200 million from his casino vault in Las Vegas before the military deploys a tactical nuclear strike on the city. Ward agrees and recruits a team. Ward's estranged daughter, Kate, who works at a quarantine camp, directs him to Lily, a smuggler familiar with the city. When Kate learns Lily escorted her friend Gita into Las Vegas, she insists on joining the team over her father's objections. Lily explains that a group of intelligent zombies known as Alphas will allow safe passage in exchange for a sacrifice. In this case, a comically offensive camp guard. An Alpha female takes the guard to the Olympus Casino, where the Alpha leader infects him. Lily leads a team to a building full of hibernating normal zombies. They revive after some chicanery from Martin. One of the Expendables is killed. Arriving at Tanaka's Casino, 
everyone heads off to do their own thing. Martin and Illy stay outside under the pretense of keeping watch, but instead lure the female Alpha into the open. Martin beheads her and takes her head, which is what you do when you behead somebody, I'd guess. The Alpha male discovers her body and returns it to the Olympus Casino, where it is revealed she was pregnant with a zombie fetus. Enraged, the zombies head to Tanaka's Casino. A news report reveals the government has brought forward the nuclear strike. As Dieter opens the vault, Ward discovers Kate has left to look for Gita. The zombies arrive, whittling the team of expendables down. Martin traps the team in the basement, explaining that Tanaka cares only about the zombie head, which can create a zombie army for the government and is worth more than the money in the vault. However, when he steps outside, a tiger mauls him to death. Most of the other cast members are killed off in a running battle to the helicopter. After rescuing his daughter, Ward is bitten by the Alpha. The new kits, Vegas, the helicopter crashes, and Kate has a killer father. The end? Not quite. One team member locked himself in the vault. He escapes, boards a plane to Mexico City, and begins a zombie fight, having been bitten during the fighting. Now the end. Okay, Steph. What would you do to fix this mess of a film? So yeah, this film, first off, it's entirely too long. It's about two and a half hours, and really they could have shaved a good 45 minutes off of this thing. So one of the things I did in my rewrite is I really streamlined this script, tightened it up, um, got rid of some superfluous characters that I didn't think added a lot of value to the story. So I'll just go through how I would have fixed this film. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think that we probably, it sounds like both keyed on that, that this movie is bloated. There are far too many characters who don't add anything. Agreed. Yeah. So we'll start with our protagonist, Scott Ward. So the thing that about Scott is they give him this backstory about uh, how he had a wife and he had to kill the wife because she turned into a zombie and he's haunted by that a bit and he thinks the daughter resents him for it, this and that. That didn't really pay off at all for me and it really distracts from the point of the film which is a fun heist film where you're killing zombies along the way as you're trying to get the money out of the safe. The other thing with Scott is that they have him being this Medal of Honor winner that's flipping burgers, and it's, it's not a great, it, it doesn't make sense. It, it, you could get a low point a different way, and so I've rewritten his backstory. I do want to point something out. Actually, in the movie, though, he's not a Medal of Honor winner. He is a Medal of Freedom winner. Oh, Medal of Freedom so, winner. Okay. And this is something <laughs> I fixed, and I'll be interested to see what you do with it, is that the impression you get in the film, right, is that he was in the military. But that's actually never stated. He seems to have been just some buff dude who ran a food truck in Vegas and just was really good with guns. Maybe. I, I but anyway. The film definitely gave you the impression that he was former military. Yeah. At least that's what I came off with. Um, but, you know, either way, he was decorated for his service in the zombie apocalypse of Vegas. And then he's just flipping burgers. It just, it didn't work for me. So... How I've rewritten him is I changed his backstory. So I had him as a disgraced veteran who was a part of the four horsemen we see at the beginning of the film. So the four horsemen are 
drive their military and they are you get the impression there's not like military special ops and they are driving this unknown entity that's in the back of their truck they crash and that causes the zombie to get released onto vegas so what i did is have scott be one of the four horsemen he's the one driving the vehicle with the zombie inside it he doesn't know what's inside the vehicle but he knows it's something top secret and he gets distracted behind the wheel like let's say he's texting somebody and he gets distracted behind the wheel causes the crash that releases the zombie into vegas and he's dishonorably discharged as a result and so that's why he's slumming it flipping burgers and down and out on his luck so then enter tanaka the japanese like billionaire that basically owns this casino and makes him an offer he can't refuse which is go in to vegas and retrieve this 200 million dollars out of my safe um or, or no it's more than that but he's gonna give him a cut of it right like go and retrieve this money i'm gonna give you a, a nice cut of it assemble a team um and he sees this as an opportunity to redeem himself kill some zombies and get some money to help the orphan kids in the um in the camps so that's how i rewrote his backstory see i, I like that now i went a different way with it which we'll get into when it's when you hear my rewrite. But one thing this film has a problem with actually is connecting its protagonist to what's going on. What's his real motivation? I like that idea that he is part of, or at least sees himself as part of what set this all in motion. The entire chain of events that leads eventually to the zombie apocalypse, or at least the zombie apocalypse in Las Vegas. Because the movie as it stands it mostly seems like he just needs money. Yeah, he's down and out on his luck flipping burgers, but there's really no reason why he is. It doesn't tie it directly in with the zombies. And so it doesn't feel as, I'm not as invested in Scott's character as a result of that. Like, give him a redemption arc. Make it that he was responsible for this um, and have some guilt factor into what he's trying to do. And he feels bad for all the kids that got orphaned when their parents turned into zombies and and they're you know, hanging out in refugee camps basically and so he wants to do some good with the money yeah i mean e even schlocky action movies try to connect their protagonists in some way to what's going on yeah so yeah i agree with that that's i like that it's a huge miss and it really made his character very flat to me so then, okay, he's going to assemble his motley crew of former, you know, military teammates or whatever, people he knows. And that's always a fun, like, do the montage scene where he's assembling his crew together. Like, I, I enjoyed that. And so, but you can tighten it a bit. Um, and then they go and they do their Vegas mission. You can still weave in Gita, the, the woman at the camp that, um, you know, goes in and, um, to the to vegas um where the zombies are but i would cut out his daughter kate um i don't think the father-daughter relationship really adds much to this film and it feels very shoehorned in that she has this resentment towards her dad for um not being there for her after the mom was turned into a zombie and died and it's just like this melodrama family stuff that didn't really need to fit in a film like this. So I would lose Kate's character completely and 
punch up Gita more and maybe Scott gets to know Gita because he does some volunteer work at the quarantine camp because he feels bad for everything that's one of what he does with some of his guilt and she's going in to try to get money to like get her and her kids out and start a better life and so um he feels the need to like rescue Gita like not only does he want to go and get the money and help out the zombie refugees in the quarantine camp like he also needs to now go and get Gita this single mom that he's gotten to know at the camp and so there's a whole other redemption arc there and have him be the one that tried to protect Gita from the sleazy um camp security guard Cummings that was like rapey towards her like that was Kate's role but have him be that um and and have him like really feel protective and and loving towards Gita as the single mom that's struggling so I would have her be like one of the primary female character in this film. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Hmm. I found that all of the attempts at creating any sort of emotional resonance in the film as is did not work. I like the idea of cutting out Kate. I don't think that that relationship added anything to the movie. As far as Gita or just a character that Scott knows from the camp, I do like that. I like the idea also of Scott either being in the camp or volunteering there. I actually would prefer to have him one of the people who is interred in the camp. In the movie as it is, we have some people who are in a quarantine camp and some people who aren't. Mm -hmm. Because Scott in the film is in a burger joint in California or wherever. He's clearly out and not being quarantined. And it's not clear why other than plot that people, some people are quarantined and some aren't. So I think, yeah, making him basically a resident of the camp who is then recruited because of his background by people who would know who's who are living there. And he has then another reason why he wants to get the money because he can then get out of this camp that he's stuck in too and give him that emotional connection with a fellow uh, resident. That all makes sense to me. It would give him more connection to you know, more of a reason to be in this movie, more of a reason to yeah, do things. He could be flipping burgers on the quarantine camp too. Sure. Um, so, so, we, so we got him in now. So he's in going after both the money to redeem himself and to rescue Gita. And that you get these alpha zombies, they add no value to this film. Regular zombies are good enough for a film like this. We already have like this heist going on and a nuclear bomb that's going to be dropping on Vegas. We don't also need alpha zombies that are like these intellig uh, intelligent zombies with some emotions towards one another. Um, that I th that I hated the whole alpha zombie thing. So I would just completely get rid of that. So do you have fast zombies or slow zombies? In your movie. I like the fast zombies. Okay. I like the fast, you know, hungry, rip people apart zombies. But they, they're dumb. They're just zombies. They, they don't need to be alpha zombies. They don't have emotions. They just are instinctual and they want to eat you. Like, I think that's good enough for a film like this. What about you? I actually went back and forth in my screenplay whether I wanted these to be slow Romero zombies or, you know, fast, uh, well, Zack Snyder zombies because his remake of Dawn of the Dead was really one of the first movies that you had fast zombies. I think I eventually would go with the fast zombies, even though in many ways I'm a purist when it comes to horror movies, just because visually and for like kind of this pumped up action vibe that I wanted, you really 
the shuffling slow undead really don't work that well. You want something that's running and it's like a, a real obvious physical threat. So fast zombies as well. Fast zombies feel better in this movie. I agree. And so, okay, so we've, we're, we're getting rid of the alpha zombies. We have the regular zombies. They're still trying to get, you know, get to the safe with the money in it. So there's Martin, the character that t- it's Tanaka's man that he like forces to be on the team. And we can tell that he's a shady character. I mean, this is pretty, it's obvious where this is going. Um, I'm fine with him still betraying them to get the vial of zombie blood to build some future zombie weapon thing. Um, that It's cliche, but it works in an action film like this. Um, the other thing is like, definitely I think Scott should sacrifice himself at the end of the film. Um, but I would have Scott sacrifice himself for Gita. Like, have Gita and Vanderhoe. Like, in this film, most people die. And then you have, like, left at the end, like, Vanderhoe, basically, and a couple of others. So I would have everybody else die from the crew, but have Scott sacrifice himself and Gita survives, the single mom, and Vanderhoe survives. Um, I don't mind him also surviving, who is like basically Scott's um, right hand man and a minority. It's kind of nice to see the minority survive in a film, to yeah. be honest. You know, it's, it's typically that doesn't happen. So it was nice. That's one thing I thought the film did well is that they had the minority character survive, which I liked. Um, so, so have Gita and, I mean, have them do all the zombie heist stuff. That's fine. They crack the safe. They get some money, this and that. Like, you know, that can all take place. Have, you can have the artificial clock still with the nuclear bomb that's going to go off and eat, like, so they have to, like, race against the clock. All of that worked for me. Um, and so Gita and Vanderhoe are survivors. They get out. Scott has his redemption arc where he sacrifices himself to save Gita. Gita's reunited with her kids at the quarantine camp. They watch the nuke go off in the distance. Vegas is nuked. Um, and no more zombies after that, so we think. Um, they only manage to get one bag of money out, but it's enough um, so that they can, like, survive. Vanderhoe gives Gita the money so she can, t- like, start a new life with her and her two kids. Um, and then Vanderhoe, I would end the movie with Vanderhoe flying off to wherever. In in this film, they have him flying off to Mexico City, but it could be any, like, interesting, large, uh, foreign city. Um, it could be Hong Kong. I don't care. But, um, but have him start turning as the plane is landing, um, that he did get bitten, so he's starting to turn. And in the scene, the plane lands, no one gets off, you have a random person like walk into the plane to try to figure out what is going on. Why is no one getting off this plane? He gets attacked by Vanderhoe and all the pilot and the flight attendants are zombies. And then then you have your sequel in Mexico City or wherever you want for movie two. I think this would tighten up this film. It still makes it interesting. You got your redemption arc. You have a feel good with the single mom and being able to make a new life for her kids. And you have a movie two set up. So that's what I do. What about you, Jeff? Mine is even more streamlined. I cut a bunch of characters out, reworked a bunch of things. I'm just going to start from the beginning because I did not like the opening of the film. I thought that the zombie apocalypse starting because of a guy getting roadhead was terrible. Basically, the accident's beginning is because a civilian driver is getting a blowjob from his new bride and plows into the truck carrying the zombie. I will give Zack Snyder and the other writers 
a little credit in that that has not been done before. But some things, even if they are new or subvert expectations, should not be done. Well, and that's why I changed it to like distracted driving while texting, which is a much more common thing that people do. <laughs> yeah, that, that works better. I actually went into a different trope, which is the inadvertent viral release. So mine would start at Genetech, a bio firm in the suburbs of Vegas. And we see a research worker. He's working on this cure for all cancers, and he gets bitten in the lab. He collapses, and his colleagues rush in to see him, and we see that he's dead, and then his eyes open up. Then he cuts the next morning, and like a day shift guy shows up. He opens the door and is bowled over by a wave of zombies, and the camera pulls back to show that it's in Las Vegas. Under the opening credits, one thing I did like about this film was the use of the opening credits to kind of tell the story of the fall of Las Vegas. That was really cool. It was well done and probably the best part of the movie. It, uh, yeah. I agree. Zack Snyder's pretty good about those. He's done that in a couple of films. He actually did that in his original Dawn of the Dead, or I should say his original remake of the of Dawn of the Dead. I actually like the tone of that earlier opening credit sequence. So it's basically uh, cut together from a bunch of real life uh, news clips of like riots and things like that, interspersed with news broadcasts of, oh, zombies are attacking, people coming back from the dead. It's a bit more apocalyptic, a little more serious. I would keep the opening credit thing, but I'd go back more to the roots of this guy's zombie oeuvre and have it a bit more serious. I, I like that vibe. This was kind of almost a little too jokey at times, even though it really was the best part of the film. We get Vegas falling, and then we get a little skip of 36 hours and we're in the fall of vegas and this is where we're introduced to scott and the other characters with one exception they are actually a part of a military unit so he is active duty he's in there we see it in about a 20 minute long segment him and his men trying to lead some civilians out and people are getting picked off we get to the wall around vegas you know being created out of shipping containers which even if kind of irrational just for the timing looked cool and i like that idea and he gets through with like just a handful of his men and that's it and one of his men is bitten and he has to shoot him hmm. and that's where we end that and then we cut to a few years later and scott is in a bar and we see he's drinking and we hear on the news that oh vegas is going to be nuked in a few days so that setup's fine as the ticking clock there's nothing wrong with that a woman approaches him and she's kind of flirting with him and the bartender um, who is being played kind of like a uh, frenemy, right? Kind of a dick is like, oh, he was one of the guys who escaped from Vegas and she recoils in horror and kind of goes away. And we get this idea that the survivors of Vegas are being basically shunned. Hmm. There's like scarlet letter A on them because they could potentially have some kind of zombie components to them now. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, in my version, he does have a wife, but she has left him over what happened in Vegas. And we'd build a little bit more up that in addition to just being kind of shunned by the general population, the soldiers who survived Vegas are kind of in the category like men coming back from Vietnam were in where they're like being blamed for the loss. Like you lost this American city and all these people died because you guys couldn't stop just a bunch of, you know, un the undead. 
Got it. His connection is clearly not as tightly connected as like yours. Mm-hmm. So he's not a part part of the team that was in some way responsible for this. But he is dealing with the trauma of having survived it and the rejection that he's facing from people in general. So that's kind of part of his personal motivation. In my movie, though, I lean much more heavily into a mashup of heist, zombie, and like kind of 80s action film. This is much more of a plot-driven movie. The way I picture mine is a lot more like a diehard. Where, yeah, I mean... You know, we, we, we often get back go back and forth in this in our actual writing, you know, plot over character, character over plot, and this is much more reliant on plot. Characters have some motivation and connection, but really this is about doing a heist movie with a zombie. So while he's there at the bar, he is approached by one of the people that we see in the opening, a fellow soldier named Lenny. And Lenny, uh, his uncle, is part of the mafia. And Lenny has tracked down Scott because he has a proposal for him that his uncle knows about a shipment of uncut diamonds that was going through Vegas at that time. And he knows the vault they're in, but he needs a team to go in and get them before the nuke goes off. This, I think, fixes a couple of things. We, we keep the whole heist vibe, which I, we both liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It fixes uh, one big plot hole in the movie, which is why Tanaka needs a safe cracker for a safe in his casino. He should have known, like, the combination, too. Like, yeah, that was an odd one to me, too. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why that's in there, because that makes the in- inclusion of Dieter weird. And also, there's an extended sequence with uh, traps that they have to avoid, which they should just know about. Yeah, you could have fixed that also by being like, it's... To, it's a somebody it's a rival casino right it's like not Tanaka's casino maybe Tanaka already got out his money but it's a rival's casino and he knows that money is still there because the rival was killed um during the zombie uh, apocalypse or whatever yeah and I, and I like that it's like some reason why you need this and why the vault itself is an obstacle yeah the other thing and the reason I moved diamonds and I actually did a little bit of internet sleuthing uh, like two minutes of internet sleuthing, so it's not a big pat on the back. But I found out that $250 million weighs like three tons. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, oh, wow. That's like $100 bills, which given the size of this stacks is about right. I am one of those annoying people who when they see something like that in a movie, that immediately triggers something. I'm like, wait, is that right? Could you carry that much money? I'm like, that's like three tons of money. Hold on. So diamonds, that's a little bit easier. The other thing I wanted to fix was, and this is admittedly a very minor point, but when you have people stealing money, there's always that question about why they just don't take the money themselves and leave. Uncut diamonds, I don't know, most people aren't going to know how to fence those. So we have something that's more portable. We have this idea that it's in a casino vault that the criminal boss hiring Scott doesn't, he knows it's there, but he doesn't know how to get in. It was, I like the idea, it's a rival's casino, some other mob Mm-hmm. Is running, right? Yeah. He knows about Scott and the others who are going to be in the uh, team because of Lenny. There is no Martin character in this. The closest would be Lenny because of his connection with his uncle. So we have Scott then go through the recruiting process. And all these are characters that we've already seen. In the movie as it is, we do see most of the team 
in the opening credits, but they have no dialogue. They're not characters. We just see the actual actors killing zombies. In my version, we've actually seen some interaction between them and Scott because they're all part of his little unit. They go in. Honestly, a lot of this is just then action stuff. There's no refugee camp. The way they get in is that the military is pulling back its cordon because the city's going to be nuked. The uncle has been able to arrange for them to get through the lines. They need to get to the casino. Lenny comes along because Lenny is a pilot and there is the the uncle left like a private jet at McCarran Airport whenever he wasn't there, but it's like he knows it's there. Okay. So Lenny's going to fly it. We have a fun scene where like, uh, you know, one of the characters is like, Lenny, I didn't know you had a license to be a pilot. And he can just be like, license, you know, kind of thing. So like you get like, rid of Gita, all oh, the quarantine yeah. camp stuff, and basically just keep the team and add Lenny as a character to kind of get the story moving. Right. The only other character, in, and I would have the safe cracker because you do need an outside kind of neophyte character that things explained to who can also potentially get in trouble that kind of Dieter, stuff. yeah right. and he he did good in that role sort of the bumbling new guy safe cracker but would you have martin still no no martin okay. and actually um i just recently watched uh, as a time of this recording of course the wednesday netflix series and while the series itself is okay jenna ortega who plays wednesday is amazing she's funny and a great actor and all that i would actually have her as a safe cracker oh so we get a and like a like a, like a cute quirky girl as yeah a exactly cracker. yeah i like that so a lot of the action would just be really over the top this film the way i look at it should be 90 minutes and done basically so by the end of the film our uh, team they get the jewels we wind up with uh scott with lenny with our safe cracker and one of the other soldiers who is bitten but scott can't bring himself to shoot him like he did his friend at the beginning of the movie uh, okay. so the plane flies out lands at a private field and there are a bunch of goons waiting there it's a double cross so lenny gets out and is like haha you're not going to get anything and then our bitten team member revives and he lays into the goons and there's another fight scene and by the end of it, only Scott and Jenna are left. Then we cut to a couple of months later, and we have a little scene where we see Scott and Jenna basically breaking into the uncle's house. And there's a party going on, and we kind of cut between these two scenes while they're like going into a safe and getting some money out and waiting. He gets to his office. They're waiting for him. He starts going into something like a monologue about, oh, it wasn't me who had the idea to double cross you as Lenny, but Scott doesn't even let him finish. He just shoots him. And the two of them leave the end. So do they get the diamonds? They get the diamonds. They get some cash and they leave. And there's still zombies out there, though. Oh, the city is nuked. I, I do keep that. The so, city is nuked? Okay. So the one thing I do with that is that in the film, what we have is that the timeline for nuking the city is ex accelerated, right? Mm -hmm. Would you keep that? I mean, I assume we'd have the nuke thing, but would you keep the accel the last minute acceleration? Yeah. I think it, add, it, it adds something. Okay. And especially in an action film, racing against the clock is always a good way to just move your film along. Okay. For me, I would not have the acceleration. It's just they have to go in with a really short time window to start with. So, okay. And I can see where that works, though, is mm -hmm. that especially with heist movies, you do want the thing in the middle of your narrative that is a twist, right? In the sense of here's the plan, 
oh, wait, the plan just went off the rails. We have to improvise. Right. Yeah. That's why it kind of speeds things up with them having to get it, the money out or the diamonds out or whatever it is that they're going after. So I think I'll, I'll steal that because I like that. Okay. So I'm going to steal that from you and I guess from the original movie, although the original movie is terrible. So I didn't find that Scott dying in the movie or I guess in your version, it makes more sense because it bring it's kind of a full circle thing. He started the apocalypse. He had his redemption arc. He's helping, at least helping out someone in the camp who mm -hmm. he made a connection with he can now die thinking well i i've sort of turned this horrible situation that i was partially responsible to something better he served his purpose and then it also sets up vanderho to be maybe our or somebody else to be the main part because vanderho has been bitten right so it really sets right. up for movie two you can have a whole new cast of characters uh unless you want to bring gita back um, and it just becomes a franchise of fun zombie heist movies. Whereas mine is really a one shot. I was not yeah. thinking sequel. I, because these kind of mashups, these cross genre films, I, I think they do work. I do like them. But once you've gotten past the initial kind, not gimmick, but the initial juxtaposition of the different genres, I think it can become too repetitive yeah i mean you could probably maybe do two or three of these and then you've um ridden the gravy train as much as you can for a zombie heist mashup uh, now i was gonna say in the movie you know they try to get around this by the weirdness at the beginning where there's at least some hint that the zombie might have something to do with aliens and then in one scene in the movie you see a zombie that's like Apparently a robot. There's some weird stuff in this they film. They threw that adds way nothing. too much into this film. They had a zombie tiger at one point. It was just overkill. So overall, um, we have two interesting rewrites. Uh, so we will let our listeners decide for themselves which rewrite they prefer, or or rewrite it yourself. Um, would you recommend watching this film, Jeff? Oh hell no. This is. For what you get, it is way too long and it is not well done. We have not gotten into, because it's not really a point of, you know, our analysis here, but I will comment, even the visuals, even the cinematography is bad in this movie. It looks bad for a film that cost, I believe, like $200 million. There's a lot of scenes that are just blurry. And this was all stuff that Zack Snyder wanted to do. So, yeah, this is a mess and a waste of time. Uh, it's also a don't watch for me. It's two and a half hours that you will not get back. So I'm going to just save you the trouble. Unless you want to watch it to see how you would rewrite it as a fellow aspiring writer that might be a listener of the show. Uh, but, yeah, don't waste your time. It's too long. I kept waiting for it to be over. If you're looking for a good zombie heist movie, watch Train to Bashan 2. That's a much better movie that gets at that same genre of combining a zombie film with going in to also have to retrieve and take some money and just much better film. So I would recommend that one instead. Okay. Well, this was a very enjoyable discussion, a good episode, and I think that we've uh, managed to fix this movie. Now we just need Hollywood to give us $200 million. Exactly. If you're listening, anyone from Hollywood, 
So I hope you enjoyed listening to Script Slayers. Uh, both Steph and Jeff are a don't watch for Army of the Dead. And join us again in two weeks for another episode. Bye. Script Slayers is a production of Steph and Jeff Wright's Media. Reproduction of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. All rights reserved 2023.